0: Welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast, a space where we together will inspire people to do something good. This podcast is for all of us that care. We care about how we spend our days, how we show up for each other and for the planet. I'm your host, Alexander Nash. I am many things as we all are, but the things I most proudly identify with are I'm an entrepreneur, a mother, business coach, athlete, and meditation teacher. I've roamed the impact startup world for over 15 years now. And I feel like it is time to share the stories of so many fascinating people doing so many incredible things. Together with the guests on this show, we will provide inspiration that no act is too small and that we are all needed. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Today I'm welcoming Lisa Booth to the podcast. In 2016, Lisa and her husband designed and constructed an off-grid home infused with passive design principles and built on a modest budget. Their home sparked such a widespread curiosity and interest that it led Lisa to establish what is now Book & Blend, a resource for everyday folks wanting to build purposeful eco-friendly homes on a budget the online book and blend community has now grown to over 70,000 changemakers. Lisa, a mother of four with over 20 years of experience in home and community sustainability projects, has a strong belief in grassroots movements and their ability to drive positive change. In this conversation, we talk about the importance of seeing trees and the sky through our windows, how big impact solutions are often simpler and cheaper than we think. Who would have thought that the orientation of your house is one of the most impactful decisions you can make in your home design and it doesn't cost a thing. Sometimes inspiring one other person or 70,000 is enough to make true change because what we do in our homes is more important than we think. Hi Lisa, uh, welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast. It's really nice uh, to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. Uh,
0: And on this podcast, I always like to start with the same question that kind of lands us straight on the topic that I like to explore here. So if you got to view the future in any idealistic way possible for you, what would your dream future look like?
1: Mm, Well, I think in regards to Book and Blend's mission, my ideal view of the future would be that every single house that is built or renovated in the future is done so with consideration for its impact on the planet and is designed to work hand in hand with nature's free resources such as the wind, the sun, to make sure that its occupants are comfortable, happy, and of course that they use much less energy. Um, And even better, I think, people who build this way get to have this real sense of pride around their reduced impact on the planet. And given how simple it is to design houses that can do this, I just, I see no reason why this can't happen, like somewhere in the future. I feel like it's close. It doesn't have to be that far off. Um, but I think that was quite a zoomed in answer, but if I zoom out a little bit more, I think, What I'd really like to see is a future where we humans no longer see ourselves like separate to or superior to nature. Um, And again, I don't think this is impossible, but I think it would require us to undo some of our current thinking and go back to embracing some first nation type perspectives and thinking because personally I think we have a lot to learn as a modern society and I think we could possibly find lots of our solutions you know have already existed for thousands of years so yeah just a future where we're much better connected to the world around us that's beautiful I heard someone talking about that recently.
0: Actually, about permaculture. How permaculture is this new kind of hip, I don't know, trendy world, and it's almost a bit like, oh, look at this innovative way we can do gardening. And then there was an. Uh, this was a conversation between a couple of indigenous groups, and they were like, "That's not like we've always done this. This is like how you live with the land." And I thought that was wow. It's such a modern way of thinking that we always think we are the first and the smartest with every solution
1: yeah that is so so true and i think recently uh, we traveled around australia and we got to spend some time um uh, in a very cool indigenous community and really immerse ourselves in their culture and i think it's a real uh, eye-opener and a bit of a, I don't know, rude shock that we are, we're not really as smart as we think we are, this, <laughs> this modern generation of ours. <laughs> yeah. And
0: we're perhaps mm. a little bit too, too comfortable, we're too comfortable mm. for our own good, I think sometimes. Mm. Absolutely.
1: So, but we no. I think we're getting more and more uncomfortable though, as you know, as time's moving on and sometimes that's have to get very uncomfortable before change occurs yeah that's very true
0: so could you tell us a little bit more about who you are and where in the world you are and what it is that
1: you do yeah sure Mm, who i am is a big question (laughs) let's uh let's start with putting some labels on it um well probably first and foremost i'm a mom to my four kids um i'm a wife I consider myself an environmentalist, I'm a, I'm a scientist. I am a storyteller, classic, classic oversharer, um, educator, uh, business owner now, and these days a very unlikely influencer. (laughs) So we are here in Northern Victoria in Australia. And we live here on 22 acres and we've built a a passively designed off grid home here about seven years ago that we started sharing at the time on this new app called Instagram that I opened and thought I would just share the journey with our friends and family. And it turned out that lots of other people were really interested in our journey and, over time, the community around Book and Blend has just grown and now this is what I do full-time.
0: Wow. And you said you built a passive off-grid house.
1: Yeah. So it incorporates really inexpensive um, passive design principles that if you incorporate and include the design phase of a build can be really cheap, uh, if not free, to include in your build, and these just make sure that your home actually can use those free resources I talked about, the sun and the wind and things, to Um, to keep itself very comfortable and therefore you don't have to rely on things like active heating, cooling to stay comfortable. Therefore your energy usage is, is dropped. And this is really simple science. Again, this is not rocket science. This thinking has been around for thousands of years. We just like to ignore these things sometimes. So, incorporating these things into a build make really good sense because it saves homeowners money in the future and their impact on the planet is obviously decreased. So that's what we do at book and blend. We try and spread the word as just to how simple that is to do in any build or reno anywhere in the world. And and you can apply these really simple principles to any home. So
0: is it almost, yeah. we, we touched on gardening a little bit, I guess it could maybe be seen as a bit the same way you benefit from knowing your garden, like you know where the sun is, so you plant whatever needs the sun there, and you know it's really windy around there, so is it kind of the same with a house, like if you know where the sun comes in, you could have the window there, and if you know, I mean, whatever it might be,
1: knowing yeah, your are 100%. You, you you nailed it that's exactly all it is it's working with your local environment so the things that uh, that already exist there every day the sun will rise where you are it will rise in the same spot travel roughly the same path in the sky it will set roughly in the same spot it will change slightly um according to the seasons which is a good thing cuz because we changed the design around that but again it sounds quite complex while we're talking about it here but it's not it's really really simple stuff
0: it's interesting because I looked at I read your freebie on your website where you could go through uh, I can't remember exactly what it was called but you could go through like the different elements if you wanted to do a remodel or build a house and uh, it said you know to have the windows to the north uh, and I was sitting there and <laughs> I'm obviously, it took me a while, and then I said to my husband, "I was like, why would you need your windows to the north? That doesn't make any sense." And he's like, "But you got to remember, she's in Australia. Obviously, it's our south." Because it I've is. always been banged, you know that you need you want to have the windows in the south. And I've, I had such a moment <laughs> when I thought, I, that's still mind boggling to me that you know, like our south is your north, and like you have snow in the south and we have snow in the north. It's confusing.
1: Yes, but it, it's all part of the principles and you are exactly right. In Australia, we need to orientate our homes to the north to catch all the winter sun and then be able to exclude the summer sun. But, yeah, we you're in the northern hemisphere and so that will be exactly opposite to that. Yeah, yeah. But I, the same principle.
0: Because mm. I guess it's interesting because uh, I go to Croatia quite a lot, which is like more southern uh, Europe, and there – the majority of the problem is to try and keep the heat out mm-hmm. whereas here we do everything to like keep the heat in <laughs> so yeah. we build a lot of wood like most Swedish houses are made out of wood for example whereas most most Croatian houses are made out of stone and they have different it, it's really fascinating my uh, my husband is a carpenter so he's always you know looking at how everything is built when we go places but you don't realize I think you, if, you, if you're not looking into it, you don't realise that m- most building, especially back in the day, was done in a certain way because that was the best way for the condition because there wasn't any artificial ways. You couldn't put up an air conditioning. Mm. So maybe you had to Absolutely. have really deep windows that were small because in some areas you didn't want the sun in or whatever it might be. Mm.
1: Yep, yeah, 1,000%. And there's quotes dating back, Thousands of years that the talk about this, about how to design your home so you'll be more comfortable, because you're right, they actually didn't have electricity to plug into and turn the aircon on, so they had to get it right. And I think, you know, the more we've relied as a modern society on on things like gas or electricity for our comforts we've just moved away from the really simple things the really smart things around house design that we should we should all be doing we should have learned our lesson thousands of years ago but we haven't
0: (laughs) which one what would you say is the simplest thing out of all the principles that
1: you could- Orientation for sure, which is just the way that you face your home and where you place the windows um along that facade. So again, I would I would suggest in Australia we suggest uh putting the windows on the north to be able to catch the winter sun, because the winter sun travels lower in the sky than the summer sun. And then if you get the orientation correct, you can put a shade or an eave over those windows. So that can be as simple as extending the roof line out. And therefore, when the sun travels higher in the sky in summer, there is all the windows are shaded and there is no sun strikes any of the glass. And therefore, you get that cooling effect and and the shading which means that you have much less requirement for air conditioning in summer and less requirement for heating in winter because you get all that beautiful winter sun striking the glass and and heating up your home for free so it's 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 a very simple design feature that every single house can include because it, it is fairly simple to face your home to the north.
0: And if you were, if you already have a house and we're looking at remodeling, would you then, I don't know, move your windows around or how could you do that in a way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, doing things like if you were remodeling, you would prioritize living areas onto that north side because that's probably where you spend 90% of your waking hours, will be in that. Living space. So, if you can prioritize that and make sure that that space performs really, really well passively, meaning it doesn't require active heating and cooling, then a you're going to be a lot more comfortable year round. B you're going to have a lot lower energy usage. So, it's kind of a, a double whammy, double win there. Yeah, that is
0: because I always find it the one of the most difficult thing is. To think in seasons, um, because we live in a place that has such extreme seasons. So in the winter, there's maybe, I don't know, five hours of daylight. And then in the summer, there's maybe like three hours of nighttime. (laughs) So, you know, those big windows you really want, because the majority of the year, it's not that. Bright, but in the summer you you have to invest in something to shut it off because you can't sleep because the sun goes down at i don't know maybe two o'clock at night and then it comes back up at four mm. um so that I find that's always a bit of a challenge how you you know how you make your home flexible enough to work mm-hmm. with the
1: different seasons, yeah and every <laughs> Um, so, Australia is broken into different climate zones, and so will your country. Um, and there's actually really clear government recommendations around how to use those passive design principles. So, things like orientation, thermal mass, zoning, you know, correct window type, and all those kind of things. Every home all over the world should apply those simple passive design principles. However, the way in which you apply them or the ratio of how you apply them changes according to your climate zone. So that's exactly what you were just talking about. We have really hot summers here, 40 degree plus summers. And quite cold winters, although not nearly as cold as yours. So our the recommendations on how we use those passive design principles will differ compared to somebody that, say, lives in Queensland in this country who has, um, you know, much higher humidity and uh, warmer winters and things like that. But it doesn't change the principles. It just changes how you use them slightly and that's the message that we really need to get out there that everyone everywhere can benefit from the principles and it's just about uh, educating people on the best way to use them
0: yeah and how you have you ever always been interested in the environment and you know living sustainably
1: yeah i think so i think it comes from my childhood i think you know i grew up on the farm and I was very influenced by my my pop, my grandfather, who lived a very simple life. He they grew their own veggies and fruit and milked a cow and turned the milk into the butter and the cheese. and you know, all that kind of stuff, although I didn't probably realize how influenced I was being by his resourcefulness and he wasn't um, kind of outward in his beliefs and views it was just how he lived and he was very content with I like to use the word his enoughness he just didn't need all the extra stuff and the fluff and the any of that he was a very content human with making do with what he had Um, and I, I don't think I really understood how much that impacted me until i was probably a young uh, adult and i found myself in quite a uh, sticky situation in that i had to leave uh, the marriage i was in and kind of start again with nothing and i had two little kids under two um on my own and i it was then that I really started to call on or draw on all those, the learnings I'd had when I was young on the farm about being resourceful. And I really, my homes actually that I began to create for, for me and the kids were like, I call the, the first home was this little white weatherboard I call it the west facing shit shack that I had. And, you know, it was terrible. It completely faced the wrong way and it was, we were boiling in summer and cold in winter. And so I was also at the time doing a lot of work in the space of environment and sustainability. And I was learning enough there to go, oh, I think I can apply some of these learnings to my own, my own home and be quite resourceful in that way. And, from there uh, it just grew and I think it was four houses and renovations and and things later that we actually built this place which is completely off-grid um, and fully passively designed so yeah we have very very little impact on the on the planet here but it, it was really I don't I don't think those things really kicked in until they had to yeah. Sometimes necessity is the mother of all invention. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true. You never really get deep enough if you don't have to. Mm. So how is your house now off the grid? Where do you get your energy and your water
1: and everything? Yeah, so we harvest all our own rainwater. So we collect rainwater off the roof and off the shed and it all just gets stored in a tank and that gets fed back up to the house when we use it just by our pump. Um, As far as electricity is concerned, we we produce all our own electricity via solar panels that are on the roof. We have eight kilowatts of solar panels up there that uh, basically the sun hits the solar panels, the energy is then transported either directly into the home if we need the energy then and there, or if there's an excess of energy, it gets stores in our battery system stored in our battery system. So for example, once the sun goes down overnight, the the house then starts drawing from that the battery reserve. And then the sun comes up the next day and we produce power again the next day. How big so, is the battery that runs? Um around? our battery is 24 kilowatt hours of storage which is actually quite low. Um, I think if you said a family of six had a, a battery that size, people would think it's quite small. However, we do not live without anything here. al frugally, this is a four bedroom, you know, two living area home. The reason we use so little energy is because it is passively designed, meaning the home keeps itself very, very comfortable all by itself and given the vast majority of energy usage in most homes actually comes about from that active heating and cooling that is required to keep you comfortable generally because your house is designed poorly. um, We don't have all that need for energy to keep us comfortable because the house is doing it every day of its own accord. Yeah. So our, our, our usage is quite small. And therefore, our system doesn't have to be enormous to support a family of six.
0: That's really fascinating. That's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I mean, historically, electricity has been quite cheap here, um, and now, obviously, in the last three last year, was really really bad due to the war in Ukraine and the gas, you know, shortages in Europe and all of that. So our government actually had to step in and and give people uh, money to pay for their electricity bills because it just went through. I mean, it went through the roof. Let's say in a winter month, if you typically paid, I don't know, 300 euros, you now paid maybe 1,300 euros. I mean, Mm. it's a lot. Uh, And for Mm. the first time since I can ever remember, Swedish people started like being slightly uncomfortable uh, in their homes and and they changed their perspective of what was comfort. Uh, Because we've always been, because my my husband is from the UK and he thinks our houses are so warm. Uh, Because in the UK in the winter, like when you're home, you put on, I don't know, like a cardigan and you maybe have like slippers and you put things on because it's in the middle of the winter. In Sweden, you walk around in like a tank top and shorts inside and it's negative 20 degrees out, which it's partly it's because the houses are good, like well insulated, but it's also because we have such a high temperature in our houses because we were so, you know, uh, used to being so comfortable. So for the first time ever, the electricity usage went down in Sweden last year because of the prices. Um, And I find that interesting, like, it's, it, it feels often like a sustainability and an environmental thing always comes second to price. And it doesn't mean that it's bad because now people are more interested. So it, it did have a benefit. But it's also sad that we still can't do it because of something else than just always, it's always about money. <laughs>
1: Yeah, money and I think comfort too. I think, yeah, once you get uncomfortable enough, change occurs as well. Um, There will be a certain percentage of the population, particularly the early adopters who, you know, might be quite passionate about the environment and are really concerned about the amount of carbon we're pumping into the atmosphere. You know, as for us, there's a Little man down at I, I imagine a little man down at Latrobe Valley shovelling the coal into the yeah. coal plant to um, burn to turn it into the electricity so that we can charge our iPhones type thing, but there's there's so few people who would, and I don't think we can really expect the the general population to jump on board for those reasons. I think people will make changes for their own reasons and if those reasons are financial or those reasons are comfort then that's okay we can work with that and i think that's where i differ a little bit um to other people who work in this space there's a lot of doom and gloom in the climate change space and i just refuse to dabble in in that space it's i I'm really only interested in solutions rather than problems. And just being reasonable about the expectations and making it easy, like just make it so easy for people to make the changes that it's just impossible not to. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as the more stories we tell and uh, about people who've made these changes and built their homes that in a way that means that they are more comfortable in their homes, they have lower bills, they have this lovely lower impact on the planet. The more stories we tell about that, the more normal and mainstream it comes for the next guy to jump on board because it just, it becomes, you know, you look like a bit of an idiot if you don't because, you know, who wants a freezing cold house and, you know, one that's costing for thousands of dollars to heat and cool a year, because that's what it costs in Australia. Our our energy prices are through the roof and continuing to go through the roof. So there's already major discomfort there. So I think if we can offer people another way, a better way, then I think that then it will just be a natural progression. And I think that the just the the growth and the interest around book and blend always blows my mind that there's the people probably when we began telling the story our story and then sharing other people's stories who are building their homes this way back in the beginning it was i think it, it was bit of a space that seemed a bit like for the greenies or the um, you know, it was a bit niche yeah. and um elitist and, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas now there is this tide, the, the tide is turning and people are just really beginning to see just how sensible it is. And how easy. I think the more we can educate people about the, the ease at which this can occur, the better. Yeah. I think that's
0: a really good point. And it's been a it's been a thorough line on in the podcast interviews that I've had is to try and shift the focus to a positive focus when you talk about these issues. Because I think with motivation, like hardly anyone gets motivated by fear or, you know horrible things like positive reinforcements is like traditionally what will work um so i think in that sense uh if climate change was a person uh the branding really would could do with being more positive than just always so catastrophic
1: absolutely it really climate change really needs a new brand manager it needs yeah. to make it Sexy and interesting and easy, and and I don't think that's impossible. I think, in fact, I think it's really possible uh, to to make that happen. Um, it certainly kind of gets me out of bed every morning.
0: <laughs> so, how long have you been running Book and Blend?
1: I've been running it uh, as my full time business for about the last two years. <laughs> But, you know, we were sharing the, the story of our home and other people's homes long before that on the socials. But it just got to a point where, I you know, I was working pretty much full time. I had four kids and I would get home in an evening, put the kids to bed, and I would have to spend all evening on, on the couch replying to people's questions and, and the interests that surrounded our home and, and passive design and uh, I suppose that's when I put together a few really the simple resources and, and one of those was that you talked about that freebie on the website which is the sustainable build checklist which has been there for years and it's I mean it's so it's great <laughs> it's so popular and it's um It's well-known, which is really, really cool. And that will stay there, you know, available forever if I have it my way. But it was really good that I think as time went on, um, I actually got some really great advice by someone who said to me, you know, Lisa, that if you stop giving away all this information for free and put just a, a little bit of a price on it, then... You will be. It will sustain you so that you can work in this full time, and that way you can reach more people. It, you know, it's it's a much better model um, than than kind of killing yourself trying to help all these people just in your spare time, of which I had none, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, book and blend uh, as a business has it, it just had its second birthday. Oh, that's great.
0: What's uh, what's been your biggest surprise so far from when you turned it into more of a business
1: until now? Um everything. Yep. <laughs> I think you you I'm just a mum of four from a tiny little rural community in Australia that often thinks, how did I end up in this position where there is this incredible online tribe that has gathered around Book and Blend that kind of cheer me on and support me and are my my support as well. And everyone has this, this common set of values, I suppose, and It's just a really cool space where people can come and learn more and I just still get surprised every time that community continues to grow. Um, And if you flip that over to more the business side of things, I remember when I put out the first paid offering, I think I, you know, I, I was almost, sick when I released that out into the world. And I just thought, who am I to be doing this? Um, even though I actually have, you know, lots of qualifications in this space. I'm not a designer or a builder, um, but I do have qualifications around home energy efficiency and thermal performance and things like that. Yes. And I've been doing it for years in my work, but to put myself out there was really really frightening. Um, and I still struggle with it a bit. It's the good old classic imposter syndrome and yeah, it it sneaks up on you sometimes or all the time. Um, It's one
0: of the (laughs) hardest things I think you can do. And I think people that haven't run their own business don't necessarily understand what it means to put yourself out. So, you know, you're so exposed and so vulnerable and, Even though you hear always, oh, you have to, you know, separate yourself from your business, like, you know, you are still it still feels like you are being rejected if your ideas or products are getting rejected. I mean, you can do all the work in the world and you can maybe with time create a little bit more of a distance, but you can still feel it. Would you would you say
1: Oh, 1000%. And I think, you know, book and blend really is us. It is, it is our family. It is our home. And now it is very much grown to encompass much more than that, but at the root of it all, it, it is still us. But I suppose you asked what was most surprising. And I think, I think the thing that surprises me every day is that how successful, this has been and the momentum that's there don't get me wrong it's it is hard work i pour my blood sweat and tears into this this business and this passion but there's nothing else i'd rather be doing every day um in fact i would do it for free it's wonderful but i just feel like it's such a privilege that i get to be in this position where where there is i can see change occurring out there and there's i mean the buzz that i get when i run into someone that has you know that tells me that there's a part of their life that has changed because of something they learned or saw on book and blend and it's still it's like the most incredible natural high you could ever imagine and it's It's similar to the high that I get after I run one of our um, workshops where, you know, you can connect with everybody and see the changes that are occurring. It's just, it is just absolutely unbelievable. It's just an absolute privilege to do what I do.
0: That's wonderful. And how do you, you said in the beginning how you were having, you had your job and then you did this kind of in the evenings and now you've switched so that you can, do it full time. How do you still find time to nurture yourself and your own hobbies and interests? Because I think sometimes as an entrepreneur or business owner, it really does take over your entire life. So what mm. do you need to take care of yourself?
1: Well, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that is difficult separating, separating yourself, but I think one of the things I'm most grateful for is actually this house. And so because we live here in this home where every single room in this house, including the the room that is my office, is connected to the landscape outside it's connected to nature every room I can see trees I can see sky and there's a lot of research out there around the positive benefits around um, green spaces and being immersed in nature and I actually now can look back and go I, I know that living here is actually a Excellent way to nurture myself. It just it keeps me comfortable. It keeps me happy. It keeps me grounded. And uh, like when I've lived in homes that are, uh, you know, might be dark and uncomfortable and and all those kind of things, I've I do feel like my well being is impacted. And therefore, I think over the last few years, when you know it is highly stressful. Uh, you know i feel i say sometimes that this business has been like catching a tiger by the tail and i am simply hanging on behind like flapping along in the wind trying to <laughs> you know trying to hang on um and i think that could take quite a toll on someone's well-being mental health and those kind of things and i think any small business owner would know exactly what i'm talking about um but this home really ha- helps me to stay happy and healthy. And then of course there's the things I'd love to do that I really do prioritize in, in my life. I, You know, the Friday night fire pit with, with my kids who are all, three of them are all adults now. And I love when they come home and we sit around the fire pit or we love going camping. Um, and I also walk daily. That is, if I don't walk every single day out out there with all the cows, (laughs) Um, you can generally tell. My hubby will say to me, maybe you had your walk today. (laughs) So so, uh, to me, I suppose what all that wraps into a nice little bow is that staying connected to nature and something that is far bigger and far more important than me just helps to keep it all in perspective when things get a bit too much
0: it's beautiful that's actually I've never heard anyone speak about uh how they nurture themselves because of you know how their home is but that's such a good point I mean we spend quite a lot of time in our homes um and even more so after COVID and all that I mean there's quite a lot of us that work from home and Mm -hmm. it's important that it is a good that it is a good environment that you know lights you up and makes you stay connected to the outside world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's some, there's some fabulous studies around that. I won't nerd out on you right now with all the, the science, but yeah, there's some great studies out there about the impacts of your built environment. And I think we, we have overlooked it in um, homes and architecture for far too long. Yeah.
0: I actually heard, I think they spoke about it on the radio the other day. There was a study just that showed how the well-being on children increased if they could look out of the window and saw nature as opposed to just like a paved playground or something. And so that how important it was to do daycares and schools and stuff that actually had gardens and trees and stuff outside. 100%. Yeah. bang on <laughs> yeah that is uh, I like that there seems to be a little bit of a move now though with I don't know what they call guerrilla gardening and you know this kind of urban gardening as well to make sure that because there are a lot of people that live in cities where it's yes of yes course, absolutely difficult more difficult to get that uh, but if you're creative you can like on our bus stops, for example, they have like they have meadows and grass on the roofs. I mean, there's loads of things you can do uh, if you
1: take the, yeah, and- if you take it seriously. And that is one of the biggest myths around this, around that you have to have, you know, we are privileged to, to live here in, on this 22 acres here in, you know, in rural Australia, but it is an absolute myth that you can't apply the same thinking and the same design principles to a little one bedroom shack in the middle of the city. You absolutely can. Um, and I, I have in homes that we've renovated, you know, on a small tiny little block in the middle of town. So it's, it it is a myth. It's kind of, it's probably not helpful that our house is out on (laughs) 22 acres sometimes because it does probably send the wrong message, but that's why I do try really hard to share other people's stories and homes um, that are, that might be on small town blocks or, you know those kind of things because i think it's important to tell all the stories yeah so what lights you up mostly in this world Ooh. <laughs> um yeah I, I, it's probably time with my with my family on a personal note yeah. um but i i probably can go back to what I was talking about in those moments now where I get to see that change is happening out there and it's happening quite rapidly and that there's this excitement and that I suppose that sense of purpose that we all need as humans it really drives us and so when I have those moments where I get to meet other people and, and see that their lives are transport, um, transforming as well, there's, there's no better feeling than that. So it, that's why it is hard to separate your business sometimes from yourself because they can be really interconnected and, yeah it's it's there's nothing that lights me up more than hearing some of these you know amazing stories out there that are that are occurring that's beautiful
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh what makes you angry then oh <laughs> when my kids leave wet towels on the bathroom floor mm-hmm. does that <laughs> does that count um it no you know it's not that <laughs> have
0: it up right
1: <laughs> No, the walk is right there. That's exactly. it. Um, um, in all seriousness, though, I think the injustices and atrocities that are going on in the world right now can get pretty overwhelming at times, and I have to make a real concerted effort to just stay in my lane and just do what I can in my little pocket of the world and my corner of the internet. And again, I find it really helps to stay focused on the solutions rather than the problems. Um, And I might also get just a tiny little bit angry when I see brand new homes being built or, you know, renovations occurring without any consideration for their impact on the planet um, which that might be say a big volume build that's built facing the wrong way with three lounge rooms and four toilets. I mean, who wants to clean four, four toilets? But uh, I mean, opti- optimizing your home to take advantage of those really inexpensive passive design principles is really, really simple. And it's that ancient science that I was talking about. And it's also free or or low cost to include in a build. So I get a bit uptight when <laughs> when I see those things. But as I said, there's absolutely no use getting angry about these things. It's much more productive to focus on the solutions and the good news stories because there is many of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they have a tendency to get drawn, drowned out a little bit with in the media nowadays, I think.
1: Absolutely. that's. That's why
0: I tell the good stories. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the world needs more good stories. That's for sure. And you said you grew up on a farm. Um, what What's one thing that you used to do in in your childhood that you wish that you had more time doing now?
1: Um, you know, what? probably that time that I did spend with my pop, wandering around. You know, his his food garden and he, and and those kind of things. I would dearly love to do that now as an adult. I think I would be better off for it. Um, But there is only so much time in a day and I'm not good at it. (laughs) <laughs> and and you know what you're not good at things that you don't practice mm-hmm. either so mm-hmm. I have this beautiful ideal view where I would have this incredible veggie garden you know out there that would sustain us and those kind of things but it is absolutely not happening right now I'm even struggling to keep my herb bed alive so I, I I actually also believe the in the huge benefits of spending time in the garden with your hands in the soil and those kind of things. So I wish I would and could do more of that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I think it's a beautiful message that you have with book and blend that you can create impact in your like home sphere that doesn't have to be outside in the garden. Cause often we go to gardening or the trend has been to gardening and there's nothing wrong with that. It's really good. But if that's not your thing, then there are other things that uh, you can do to create impact in the way that you
1: live as well. Absolutely. And I think, I think the way we create impact here and and in having built the house this way is a little bit of a cheats way too. It's actually um, once you, build the house this way and incorporate these really simple and inexpensive principles right back at the beginning and build your house this way i can live in this house for the next 100 years I, i'm i'll be dead but someone will be living here no, 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 no. and yes. <laughs> modern science is pretty amazing yeah. but um just by living here in this house we basically have No impact there's there's very little carbon goes into the atmosphere because due to our family and therefore it's it's almost like a yeah it's it's just a bit of a cheats way Mm -hmm. to to be able to live that life that you you might be aspiring to and i do need to stop making excuses about the garden (laughs)
0: no but i think that's a good i don't think in general we like the climate problem, we don't associate it that much with building and living, but if you look at it, things like concrete and stuff uh, is actually really, it takes up quite a lot of the carbon footprint. The building industry is huge.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's not slowing down. We are, we are going to, we need more housing. We, and we certainly do here in yeah. Australia. Um, So homes are going to be built, full stop, end of story. So let's just make them great. Let's just make them homes that the occupants get to live in and not have any bills and be super comfy. It's a win-win for all, isn't it? It's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's not Mm -hmm. like it takes longer either. So it's not like you lose Mm -hmm.
1: time doing it that way. Absolutely not. Our house looks exactly – you can build any house to function this way, any. You can build a sprawling ranch to look this way. You can build a cute little farmhouse. You could build a really modern industrial, you know, which is a bit like our house is quite industrial and and modern. Um, You can build any home to perform this way. It's wonderful. mm, It's very simple. It's wonderful
0: to hear all the different benefits. Speaking about gardening, I heard – the other day that uh, there was someone that they talked a bit more about homesteading and that whole kind of living, you know, living, sustaining yourself. And they said that you could have bees in your backyard. I think this was in America that you were allowed to have bees in your backyards, but not chickens. So all these people were having bees, but anyways, that beekeepers are apparently the people that live the longest uh, because bees bees the sound that they make is a certain frequency and that frequency like does something to I mean I'm not a scientist with this with like our Mm -hmm. internal systems so that Mm -hmm. they have seen that like beekeepers live really long happy lives I just thought that was so funny like we do all these things like the amount of podcasts and written articles on the topics of living you know beyond a hacking and all what it's called I thought just get a BO and you're good, you're good.
1: <laughs> and you know what I don't doubt that the that that science or that study one little bit and not to mention that the you know the humming might be a great frequency but that beekeeper if he's been a keeper he or she has been a beekeeper their whole lives they've been out in the trees in the, in green spaces out in nature you know all day long every day um and i imagine that beekeeper to look a little bit more like my pop pretty happy and content with his lot in life so uh, <laughs> i can it just makes good sense in my brain <laughs> that's my new that's my new vision board picture of a happy beekeeper <laughs> i'll will send you some pictures of bees <laughs> yeah yeah please
0: so if you were to leave the listener with one thing that they could do today something simple to create um some impact for the environment or or humanity or Mm -hmm. create less impact depending on how you see how you see it what would that be
1: Um, i would say to tell more stories more positive stories um and Yeah, I I just think the more we share those positive stories, the greater the ripple effect becomes. And it's happening. It really is. There is a a turn in the tide. Um, And I think the more of us that can jump on board and spread some positivity and simple solutions, the better. That's beautiful. Mm. I like that.
0: And just before we wrap up, how can me and the listener support you on your journey in this?
1: Mm. Mm. Well, I think given my mission is to, you know, speed up the transition to the world, you know, to low impact homes and lifestyles. um, Again, a, a good way to, is to, amplify and share those stories and because when we see our family and friends benefiting from designing with nature in mind then we're more likely to change our own ways so if you do know of anyone that's building or renovated can't even speak now renovating yeah just ask them, have they considered using really simple, passive design principles? Um, and you can send them to our website, get them to download that freebie. It's the free sustainable build checklist that you talked about earlier. Yeah. It's a, just a fabulous, simple place to start. Um, or even better, if they want to go a bit deeper, they can do a workshop and kind of upskill themselves before they get too deep in that design and build process. Um, and as always just come on over and join the tribe on insta uh it's at book and blend and it's a really really cool place to hang out this so yeah yeah i love it too it's very inspirational no thank you
0: (laughs) well thank you so much lisa for taking the time uh especially before your christmas drinks with your friends <laughs> and, and for all the uh, inspiration that you've given us it's been a beautiful conversation
1: wow oh, thank you for having these really important conversations and for letting me be part of your journey
0: of course thank you for using your precious time to listen to the we are all needed podcast and if you find the podcast valuable please rate review and most importantly share this episode so that we can spread more goodness out there in the world. If you want to work with me, find out more about the guests or the community, please jump on over to www.thecircularentrepreneurs.com. Until next time.